You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. Before they were live, an ongoing and monthly talk, talk, talking through the Disney animated canon in chronological order, doing our best to play a part in a healthy ecosystem between art and criticism and fandom. Hopefully along the way, we enrich the viewing experience and have some fun too. Today, we're going to take Cosmo Duck's advice and stop the squawk and try the talk through the 46th film in the canon, 2005's Chicken Little. It's also the first fully computer animated feature film in the canon, and it's the third film inexplicably and wonderfully containing Patrick Warburton. <laughs> Joining me as always, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I've seen Roadkill with faster reflexes. It's Michael Farmer. Hey, Michael. <laughs> Hi, Josh. Well... I, I'm excited to talk to you about this movie. Um, we've been we've been anticipating it for a long time. It's one of the reasons that this whole podcast exists is because there were movies in the canon I hadn't seen, and for some reason, Chicken Little was the one I was like most aware of um, as having not seen it. Um, although we've we've now watched several movies I had not seen before, um, but Chicken Little was kind of the one on my radar. I was like, oh, I've never seen that movie. Um, Do you feel better now having seen it? Do you feel like your really, life is complete? Are you ready to die? Honestly, I, I'm not. I don't. Okay, yeah. If you were to die tonight, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I actually really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> you really, really enjoyed this movie, huh? I, I found this movie to be. It's terrible. It's a bad movie. There's there's so much wrong with it, but you know there's a there's a bad movie like what we watched uh, last month, Home on the Range, which is just dreadful and painful, and I couldn't even watch it twice. And then there's bad movies that like transcend their badness somehow and become like kind of fun, <laughs> enjoyable. And this is one of them. Like, I I showed it to my kids tonight. I really. Oh no. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, this movie is like, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, to me, it's, it's in the vein of a couple of movies that we bash on this show. I, I think I like both of these movies more than you do, but like we Aristocats and Sword in the Stone. <laughs> um, they're, they're not great movies, but they're fun. <laughs> and this one I think is in that, that vein. Like it, it's not a great movie, but it's fun. Uh, it is certainly so. I mean, our our listeners will remember that this is the movie that I have been complaining about probably since the podcast began. Um, this is a movie that I saw 20 minutes of uh, 20 years ago, or it well, couldn't have been 20 years ago, 15 years ago, whenever I saw it, and, and had to turn it off and have been dreading watching it ever since. And, and I will report 
that this movie is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But it's still bad. Like, I, I did not have fun watching it. There's there's one sequence in the movie that I thought was pretty good. And there's one background joke that's as funny as anything I've ever seen in a Disney movie. Uh, but for the most part, I found this movie just dire. Uh, I, I did not go back and watch it a second time um, and, and, and have no plans to. But uh, amazingly, Zach Braff was not the problem with the movie. You know, I hate um, I hate Zach Braff kind of irrationally. Uh, but he, he was not really a problem with the movie. The problem was everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about how Home on the Range is clearly a reaction to the success of Shrek, right? This is the real reaction. This is Home on the Range is like, we've, we've got this Disney movie. Why don't we make some DreamWorks-esque jokes in it? This is clearly Eisner saying, how can we make our own Shrek? Everything in it just screams of, you know, there was this successful movie that this other this other company did. Let's rip it off. Let's make our own version of that. And that's what that's what Chicken Little was. Yeah, I don't think it's quite that at that level. I disagree with you on on that. I'm there, there's definitely, I mean, for sure, at Disney in this time, they are reacting against both Pixar and DreamWorks. 100 percent like there's 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 no doubt that that's happening um and in some ways like disney has been doing that since uh you know the little mermaid like the little mermaid is the time when they were saying you know what like we have this animation studio and we can make real movies you know like we don't have to be making cartoons we can make real movies and like they were they were looking at what was happening um in musical theater and they were looking at what was happening in you know action movies and they were looking at you know these different things and they they were responding to it so i don't think it's necessarily wrong to respond to something i think there there is a there is a spectrum there of response or inspiration from something and rip off you know and and we could debate where along the spectrum this this movie falls um i would i would lean it towards it's more more ripoff than than inspired by but i feel like calling it a ripoff is a little too much like it's not i don't i i don't feel the cynicism in this movie that shrek no that has. that is fair um and and the opening section of the movie where gary marshall is making fun of the way disney movies traditionally begin that was the most cynical part but you're right the movie does at least attempt to have a heart later in the movie i'll tell you if you only saw the first 20 minutes i don't know which 20 minutes of the movie you saw before um i, I don't I either totally i was do. trying to remember i don't think i saw that opening but i might have yeah the first 20 minutes i i was sure that this movie was going to be pretty bad i i did not really start enjoying it until um around the time that that the sky actually falls. On no, see, I, I would say, Josh, I would say that that's the movie that that's the, that's the point the movie loses its way is when the aliens show up. No, I think that's when it finds its way <laughs> because before that, like what is happening? Like you just really don't know what's happening other than it's, um, you know, this kid is socially awkward and hangs out with other socially awkward kids and, doesn't get along with his dad but then like you know 
somehow miraculously hits a home run in the baseball game like what 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 is that movie at that point you know like yeah. awkward conversations in the car with the dad like it's just there i felt like the movie was really meandering and didn't know where it was going and the aliens kind of saved it the hey, aliens you, is it, go ahead I, I assume you read the um the roger ebert review of this movie i did not actually he, i unfortunately he says, he says he gives us a good rule and um as a general rule, if a movie is not about baseball or space aliens and you have to use them anyway, you should have started with a better premise. <laughs> this is okay, but I'm, I'm really glad you said that. As a general rule, I think what works for this movie and what is like what makes the movie enjoyable is that all the rules, it just breaks them like it just it's like like when that first pop song comes on i think it's a bare naked lady it song is, it's the worst bare naked lady song ever which is you know it is it's <laughs> bad saying something it's bad when, and it came on so early in this movie and i was like this is bad there's like a, there's the, a truly shocking is, amount of like pop song montage in this movie a lot and that's this is this is actually my point you're making my point here is like I don't really like the pop song montage. I think it can be done well, but in general, I don't like it. This movie, like, it it cranks the pop song montage so far. It's like it goes all the way around whatever circle you're on and comes back to, like, oh, this actually starts to work. <laughs> you know? Like, it's so far beyond broken that, <laughs> like, it it's like the, the whole scale flips somehow. And then it's like okay, we're not just going to do, like, a couple pop song montages, which normally is a sign that, like, you you don't actually have an emotional connection with your characters or your audience. You're going to manipulate it through a, a pop song is normally what's happening there, right? But in this case, it's still true that they don't have the emotional connection, but they just push it so far well, that at it one becomes, point there's two like, in a row, right? other thing. Yeah, it's like its own like uh I don't know. It's it's uh there's there's got to be some art term for it or something when you push something like so far beyond the limits of the rules. It's like it 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 flips somehow and becomes its own thing. Well, you you're you're describing like So you've seen that great Simpsons episode Cape Fear, right? Where Sideshow Bob is is trying to kill Bart and he steps on the rake. <laughs> And then he's he he trying to kill Bart. <laughs> well, it's the first one where he's trying to kill Bart. And he steps on okay. the rake, like he steps on, I think it's 27 or 30 rakes right in a row. And there's a moment oh, in which, yeah. like, when he steps on the first rake, it's funny. When he steps on, like, rakes number two to 17, it's like, okay. But by the time he steps on rakes 30, it's the funniest thing in the world. Yes. Yes. That's uh, exactly that is not what my I'm experience about. with this movie, but that's, that's the dynamic <laughs> you're talking about. That is the dynamic I'm talking about. And I feel like it, for me, at least it happened in this movie. So like that first, the first few pop song montages, I was like, this movie is going to be terrible, but like it went so far that, um, it worked. And the same thing with like the baseball and aliens, like, no, this movie, this movie is really not about baseball or aliens, but like it went so far that it like, it worked. I don't know. 
I did like the baseball sequence, actually. I mean, the the section of the movie that I thought worked was the section from when the Gary Marshall character gets called into the um, to the school to talk to the principal to the baseball section. So the section that's really hardcore about Chicken Little's relationship with his father. Now, I mean, if the whole movie had been that, it wouldn't have been an A movie. It would have been like a C-plus movie. But I thought that was a, a reasonably successful part of the of the movie and then once the aliens show up oh man i just i just lost all interest in this movie yeah i i can understand it like i totally we so rarely disagree this strongly it's good yeah i you know I i totally get it i just i feel like it became some sort of like weird like, I mean, I know you just use C plus, but I'm using this terminology slightly different. Like it became like this weird sci-fi B movie mm-hmm. and like in a good way. And I think it, we can debate whether a sci-fi B movie really belongs in the Disney canon. Like, should they have made a movie like this or like, what was the studio thinking? But <laughs> that aside, like, I think I enjoy kind of those sci-fi cheesy B movies maybe maybe that's why like once it becomes one is when i was like oh i like this actually well you're really going to enjoy our next movie if that's the if oh i really do us. enjoy our next movie yes <laughs> I, so i don't mind yeah i'm not i'm certainly not against the idea that there would be a sci-fi b movie in the disney canon i don't I, that, that that doesn't bother me i just i i i thought much of that section of this movie was just kind of uninspired and the characters they'd introduced didn't weren't able to carry it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> it's funny. It's one of those things where like, I don't disagree with your criticism. I just, for some reason I had a really good experience with this movie. I, I agree that it's horrible and I agree that it's uninspired. Like, I mean, it is really like, it's, it's bad. <laughs> like, there's so much like, I mean, going, let's go back to the, to the, the section that you thought worked, which is the relationship between chicken little and his dad. Like, there that is absolutely rich material for um for for a good theme of a movie you know like there's there's rich material there this movie doesn't use any of it i felt like you know like go watch the goofy movie it's a hundred times better at like on you know like bringing out that those those relationship dynamics this this movie like for me like the theme i like the theme i like the idea of you know um you know i think it resolves really nicely when chicken little's dad says you know if if i ever i don't remember exactly how he says it but like if if i ever made you feel like you had to earn my love i'm sorry you know like that i felt like that should have been powerful i like that theme it, it for me none of that landed right <laughs> you know like it just it didn't land but right. uh but you felt like the alien yeah. stuff did land <laughs> because it's fun and it's funny you know like it's it's kind of like i mean it's a little bit like what what happened with um emperor's uh, the emperor's new groove yeah like emperor's new groove was supposed to be this big epic with with something to it and then out popped this comedy instead um with not really any you know meaningful message i feel like this one they held on to the message much more and they really try and pound it home um i mean 
they they pound the message home to such an extent that this really started to feel like a um like a Saturday morning or like an, like after an afternoon school special. cartoon after after school special yeah <laughs> talk to your parents parents talk to your kids right right yeah and when I I thought about Stephen D Gray Donis talking about Junior knows best right because th- this really was about how although I I, I started. I started to wonder if this really fits that bill because it's not that the son wants to go do something incredible. The son just wants his father to love him, which is something the father should should uh, do and should apologize for. It's not that the son wants to break all the rules of society. He just he just wants to be loved, which um, right. I don't I don't know that that qualifies as a junior knows best plot. Yeah, it's a little different. I, I would say, yeah, I would agree with you. It's a little different than a junior knows best plot. It. On a surface level, you could call it that, but I think, <laughs> which this movie is all surface, but like, yeah. I think I think the nuance that you just brought out is, is right. But they, I mean, you're right that they don't they don't actually do what it would take to uh, to make that work. You know, like that that's where the movie should be headed, but it doesn't really have enough emotion to to carry that. So. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a scene where they're talking in the car. There's a, there, yeah, the dad and the son. When they're, when they're driving home from the school before the baseball game. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, what, what movie do they think they're making here? (laughs) Because it is not working. Well, there's the scene when Um, they get, they get home and, and the father of chicken, what is his name? Ace, Ace Cluck. Yeah. Ace Cluck. (laughs) He looks at the picture of the dead mother and says, Chloe, you would have known what to do. And it's like, oh, my gosh, what mo-? like <laughs> you, you haven't earned this. You, you guys <laughs> like that does not fit in your ridiculous slapstick movie where the poster is Chicken Little's butt and it says the end is near like that. That is <laughs> Chloe, you would have known what to do. Good Lord. Yeah. So I said yeah, that's the part that of the movie well. that works, but it, it's not that that part of the movie works. <laughs> it's that 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 belongs to a movie that I might have enjoyed watching. That's yeah. That's the movie you wanted to see, whereas <laughs> where the movie you want to see is the second half of this movie, where it's just a ridiculous world of the uh, or the worlds riff. Yeah. <laughs> Under an REM soundtrack. <laughs> oh gosh, could they have picked a? Lit- I love that song. Um, but could could they have picked a less interesting song to montage their alien story? Like, come on. Yeah. By that point, it had flipped for me, though. Like, I was like, bring yeah. it on. Bring on more pop songs. <laughs> it would have been amazing if they'd picked a different R.E.M. song. If they'd picked, like, the one I love or something else <laughs> from that album <laughs> with just no explanation. They'd done Finest Work Song or something. This is a uh, yeah. This is not that movie. Either. No, <laughs> no. This puts the candy on the bottom shelf, as they say. <laughs> oh, but that is that isn't even the most egregious pop song thing. You know, the worst is is the karaoke scene, where for no reason <laughs> Abby Mallard and the fat pig, what's his name, Runt, right. they're singing <laughs> "If You Want to Be My Lover" by the Spice Girls for no reason. What is that? Oh. Did you have what to that, explain to your children what that song's about? 
No. <laughs> Thankfully, no. That's a lover, Daddy. Yeah. Uh, well, and what was that? It had no connection to anything. Here's <laughs> here's the best defense that I can give it, which is not a good defense because I I agree the movie the the song should not have been in the movie, but it's it's uh they're trying to establish that these are these are awkward middle schoolers who are not popular, and so what they they do for fun is is sing obnoxious pop songs karaoke style. That's part of why they're on the fringe of uh of, of uh, popularity, I guess. How about the moment when they say, we will survive, and there's this, like, close-up of Runt, <laughs> as if, like, were we supposed to know that he loves that song? Because he was singing Stayin' Alive earlier. They're not the same song. <laughs> I was really confused by that. There's some sort of, Runt just loves music. I guess. And so, gosh. like, he's, just, he's tied in deeply you know, the right song at the right moment. What an annoying character. I like Steve Zahn. You know, I'm kind of generally pro Steve Zahn, but man, that character was annoying. Yeah. Uh, do you like him? Are you are you more pro run <laughs> than I am? I felt, uh, I felt fine about him. You're making me like this movie less. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the only the only the fish how, the the fish was yes yes <laughs> fish out of water I, I liked him <laughs> yeah and I I, I did not him. mind Joan Cusack as Abby Mallard mm-hmm yep Abby Abby is pretty great she does her I mean she she does her her job yeah well Joan Joan Cusack is reliable right I mean she's she's a utility actress she she's she's good in almost everything even if the thing she's good good in isn't good mm. i thought they they kind of underused don knots as the turkey mayor yeah we could have done more with him for sure i didn't quite get all the cue card things for him i guess it's just politicians read off screens <laughs> yeah I, I i didn't really other than he's an idiot i don't i didn't really understand what that that joke was supposed to be i didn't get that either i was i was pleased to note that i noticed it was harry shearer as the baseball announcer yeah you're gonna have to explain who that is harry shearer is the voice of many people on the simpsons he's mr burns and and smithers and reverend lovejoy and ned flanders and kent brockman who whose voice is not that dissimilar from uh from the baseball announcer, but I'm sure that's why I knew him. But I said, is that, is that okay. Harry Shearer? And Victoria looked it up and said, yep. I was pretty pleased with myself. Yeah. He had some good jokes there. Yeah. That, like I <laughs> said, the, the baseball sequence I thought was pretty good. My favorite was, um, hold on to your horses and horses hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite joke in the whole movie was very early on they're sitting at a red light or something i don't know but in the background there, nothing calls your attention to it but in the background there is a human-sized bird that's just <laughs> walking into the plate glass window again and again <laughs> yeah that's as that's as funny a joke as i've ever seen in a disney movie like I I that's, I, that's I can't think of one that I think is funnier than that, and it was it was underplayed, unlike everything else in this movie. Yeah. 
What did you think of Morcupine Porcupine? <laughs> what, what am I supposed to think about Morcupine Porcupine? <laughs> I read on TV Tropes that he's a fan favorite. Like, people really like that character. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. You have to, have to find something to like, I guess. Yeah. No, seriously, though, like, what is he supposed to, like... Okay, so you're making this movie. Like, what are you thinking with that character? Like, oh, we need to have a really, like, cool guy. <laughs> or uh, something. You know, you know to her credit, like, I, think he he's, to be? I think he's more of a parody of cool characters than, a, like, an actually cool character. Right? Yeah, like, it's just, so. it's just kind of absurdist. I, I don't think he's supposed to... You're not supposed to look at him and think, oh, how cool. I think it's just, like... I think it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I can get behind that. I, yeah. There's a lot of absurd thing in the in this movie, so yeah, I can I can get with Morcupine Porcupine then. Well, in general, the more absurd it was, the the less annoying it was. So yeah, like when when it got really silly, I thought was was when it was at its best. Yeah, I did like the very, movie inside the movie, movie at the end, the movie they make about Chicken Little, where they turn it into a kind of stupid action movie. Right. Yeah, you know who the voice of Chicken Little was in that movie? Who was it? Adam West. <laughs> Isn't that perfect? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. I was wondering if they got Adam West to do that part by telling him that that was actually the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> there may be like reels and reels of Adam West recording more lines of dialogue. <laughs> he just did make like him, everything to make, him think, to make him think it's a full length. It was after he was already on Family Guy, right? I don't know. I'm pretty sure I only was. know. Him. I only know him as Batman, the best Batman, according to him. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess if you play Batman, you have to say that. Well, I'm sure Val Kilmer doesn't think he was the best Batman, does he? Clooney, I know, doesn't. Clooney will give you five bucks if you tell him you saw. Batman and Roman. <laughs> really? Uh, that's, that's always what I heard. And, you know, to bring this back to Chicken Little, this, the same is true of this movie. The director, Mark Dendel, hates this movie. Oh, really? And it's a it's a it's another case, the last case that we'll talk about, where Michael Eisner ruined a movie. Yeah. Because what was supposed to happen was, this was supposed to be a movie about a teenage girl, Chicken Little, who's, you know, just kind of a, a pessimist and a doomsayer. And she goes to this summer camp where it turns out Penn Jillette plays, uh, plays this counselor, a sheep counselor, who it turns out is actually a wolf and is going to eat everybody and nobody believes her. Which I don't know that that would have been a great movie, but I do think it would have been a better movie than this. And it's, it's Eisner who said that uh, boys won't see gir- movies starring girls, but girls will see movies starring boys. And so he made them change it. Wow. It would have been a movie for the Me Too era. <laughs> That's true, yeah. It would, it would have read much differently now, wouldn't it? Yeah. Believe, or the hashtag believe her, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know my hashtags. But yeah, that's uh, that's I this Eisner had already been forced out by the time the movie was made, I believe. But um, 
he he he's the one who made that change. And you know, maybe the jokes on us. This was a big hit. It was the it's the biggest hit of the 21st century so far. I believe. Really? Just, all the critics hated it. Really? Yeah, it did it did quite well. Let's see. In its opening weekend, Chicken Little debuted at number 1, being the first Disney animated film to do so since Dinosaur. Wow. And tying with Lion King as the largest opener for a Disney animated film? What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I assume it's because it was this new thing, It reversed thing, right? the slump that the company had been facing since 2000. Wow. Wikipedia, you're shocking me right now. I can't believe this. But I, I think it probably had to do with the fact that this was their first 3D film. And, you know, to its credit, it looks pretty good. Um, I've been I've been dogging on the the 3D effects since at least the Rescuers Down Under, but uh, this it doesn't look as good as modern 3D animated movies do. Uh, but it looks pretty good. I didn't see anything that I thought was just a groaner in terms of the the actual animation. The character design is hideous, but I think they um, they that that was the look they were going for. Yeah, I feel like there was a look they were going for. I felt like the the um, all all three D animation at this time, including the best Pixar stuff, and well, two thousand five. I don't remember Pixar. Pixar got good pretty fast, relatively fast. Well, I feel Finding like. Finding Nemo is two thousand three. Okay, yeah. So Pixar got Pixar. I mean, if you watch like the first Toy Story, you know, like it's a it's a great story, but the the way everything looks like it it looks like early computer animation you know but i feel like they ramped up really quickly and so obviously disney's playing catch up here with this being their first film in 2005 and toy story was what like 95 they're like 10 years behind yeah yeah so anyway what i was gonna say was i feel like the the lighting off of characters just makes them look wrong somehow like they don't quite fit into the scenes like they just they don't look weightless exactly but they just i don't know there's something kind of off about them in early computer animation and i feel like this movie suffers from that like the care like besides the character design which you can say you know like they like run is is the worst probably you know it's just kind of like bizarre character design but there, there's something to be said for that if that's the look you're going for you right, know right that's not um, a limitation of the animation that was a that was a choice right yeah that was that was some sort of choice but the uh yeah but it didn't it just didn't quite quite look right i'm not i i wish i had better words for what i was trying to get at i will say is the overall design of things like you know um that early computer animation tended to look very boxy and this does look boxy, but the way they get around it of the boxiness is by making everything a little off kilter. And I felt like that worked really well, particularly for like the vehicles and the houses, the, the, the lockers at school. Like I felt like some of that stuff, like the off kilterness of it actually, actually worked for me. I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. It, it reminded me a little bit of a, um there's a guy named uh tim schaefer who's very 
like kind of famous in the the video game world. He's he founded uh, Double Fine Productions, which which uh, and, and he worked at LucasArts too. And so like he has kind of a, a a style in his in his games, and and it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. I don't know if there was an actual relationship there or inspiration, but mm-hmm. it just it just kind of looked like that. But I mean, in general, I was surprised by how not terrible the the 3D looked. You know, I I did find myself wondering if it had been created to be in like glasses 3D. You know what I meant? Because there there were a couple of moments in the movie that that looked like one of those movies that had been hastily converted to. You know what I'm talking about? When they oh yeah when they do it cheaply after the fact. That that there were a couple moments I felt like that was going on. Yeah, this this it was released in Disney Digital 3D. Okay. And I it was the first film to be released in 3Ds. that. Um, because it's... <laughs> I don't know. This was it's the period when all the every movie was in 3D, right? Because I saw Bolt in the theater, and that must have been 2007 or 2008, and that was in 3D. But it wasn't in 3D, you know, it was in 3D, but it wasn't like, it, it just added this illusion of depth. That there, were, there were no 3D tricks that you used to go to see a 3D movie for. Right. Disney Digital 3D in itself is not a presentation or a production format or technology, but rather purely a marketing concept. <laughs> that company, man. <laughs> You know what was weird was the opening, uh, the opening uh, castle was super weird looking. Yeah, it was. It was. I thought, ooh, they might have made a mistake in trying to show this off. But I guess it kind of matched the the wonkiness that I was talking about just a second ago with the the overall design. They went through a period here where, like, every movie they had kind of a themed themed Disney thing at the beginning, you know? I can't remember when they started that. Maybe with Lilo and Stitch. Maybe even with Tarzan. Did Tarzan have a themed one? I, I don't remember. I don't really know what you're talking about. The very, like, opening castle. I, di- I didn't. I, it has not registered with me that they've been different in previous movies. Oh. So what'd they do for Lilo yeah. and Stitch? It gets like it gets uh um like brought up by like an alien like an alien tractor beam thing. You'd think I, that's the sort of thing I would notice, but apparently it wasn't. <laughs> Maybe you don't start watching the movies until fifteen seconds in. A lot be, of people don't watch. That might the be true. Yeah. Thing. Oftentimes I grab I think my phone so that I can text my thoughts to you about the movie as I'm watching it. <laughs> So that you won't be surprised when I tell you. <laughs> so here's a question for you. There's a there's a kind of cute scene early on during the first scare where, oh, I don't even remember what it is, but some large thing gets loose and starts rolling through the town because Chicken Little's afraid the sky's falling. <laughs> and everybody's yeah, the, in the uh, theater watching... It's the water tower. They're all watching Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Yeah, great movie. Great choice for the It is a great watching. movie, and it's a funny gag, right? The the because the, the water tower rolls through the the theater like it's the ball. That that that's the, yeah. That very, and so that's that's a cute moment. But um, what is the relationship <laughs> between their world and ours? 
because they're watching this movie that is like they're watching an actual you know film print of that movie they haven't recreated it using a mouse or something for indiana jones right <laughs> and they runt has a has a barbara streisand collection yeah i noticed that too yeah so like and they, i mean and yeah. the, the characters are not like it's not just pop song montages although there are a lot of those but there's also the characters singing pop songs you know so if the scene with Indiana so, Jones didn't exist, I would say, oh, well, there's just a version of Barbara Streisand in this universe where she's a lion or something, whatever. I don't, I don't know what animal you would make Barbara <laughs> Streisand. But so we know they at the very no, least actual Barbara. <laughs> but they, they they watch these movies that have human beings in them. So are they? I, I'm really confused about what human beings are in this universe. What this universe is to ours? Are they? Yeah, um, it, that that gag, I think, raised more questions <laughs> than it answered. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a. It's it's absurd to use the word that you used earlier. I like thinking this through though. Like I like the the for those listeners who listen to our show to listen to us overthink things. Like this this is what they're here for right now. <laughs> like what. What is the relationship? I wonder if it's a little bit like the rescuers, you know, because uh-huh. the rescuers, you know, like the animals are, are like, you know, like in the first rescuers, especially the, the animals kind of mimic the human, um, you know, the human cultures and stuff like when the, they're all arriving at the UN meeting and then they, the, the mice all go off to the uh to the rescue aid, aid society meeting. So maybe this, maybe this is in that same sort of universe. Like this whole thing Only... takes place in somebody's barnyard. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously there's, <laughs> there's some gateway that we're missing. Right. There's some, there's some hedge somewhere that if you, if you happen to trip through it, you would end up in this world. Because it's 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 more like you were watching Robin Hood, and all of a sudden a live action Queen Elizabeth II shows up. Yeah. Yeah. You would say, "No, well, wait I, a second. I, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but Robin Hood. I'm glad you brought up Robin Hood because you know um, the the chicken bard at the beginning of of Robin Hood, uh-huh. Alan Adale. Yeah, is you know he says like. We animal have folk the, have our own version of the story. He does yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, he says the real version of the story, I think. Maybe it's our own version. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's But it's like it's like he has stepped through some sort of portal from another dimension, right? Yeah. It's not it's like the chickens. You, it's not like if it's you just walked chicken. out into... <laughs> it's not like if you just walked out into uh, Sherwood Forest, you would stumble upon Fox Robin Hood and his, his merry animal men. Yeah. <laughs> He, yeah. Alan Adele has been sent to our dimension to tell us about this <laughs> other dimension's version of Robin Hood, which thank God right. for it, right? Like, that's right. It, and so, on some of his journeys to to come tell us things, he also picks up things from our dimension, brings them back to show the animals. You know, the very best of our universe gets brought back to to their universe by Alan Adele. So you saved. Um, Home on the Range last month by saying it should have been a series of shorts. I'm about to save Chicken Little. This should have been a movie 
where an animal society from another dimension completely built their civilization around the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> right? Yeah. Forget the alien. Well, I guess you, that would be the fourth Indiana Jones movie. But <laughs> that hadn't that hadn't been made yet. Yeah. Because like, what if their what if their whole concept of civilization was just whatever they picked up from Raiders of the Lost Ark and Simple of Doom? They didn't even have uh, Last Crusade. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a uh, it'd be like a bizarro version of like Animal Farm or something, uh-huh. right? Like where the animals are. Because I forget in Animal Farm how how they initially begin becoming more, you know, humanized or whatever. But like they they do, and so yeah, in this one like they would they would it would somehow something within Indiana Jones would like trigger it for them, and then they would build their civilization around that. I like that. This was before Disney owned LucasArts. Be a little bit like of a. I know. That was crazy. I couldn't believe it was in there. <laughs> well, there's been a long association between the theme park and and Indiana Jones. So it, it, I don't think it would have seemed weird even at the time. Yeah. I don't, it's, it jumped out to me, though. I was like, oh, they, they're using... I was like, but they didn't own it at that point. It felt very Muppet Babies to me. Oh, yeah. That's a good comparison. Well, Which you know, again, it's a good like comparison, except movie... Muppet Babies is a, a wonderful sh- show. <laughs> no, I think it fits, though. Like, again, like this movie does not rise to the level of what we'd expect from the the canon that we've been going through, right? right like, right. this movie feels like, you know, at the production level of something like Muppet Babies. Like, it, yeah. it belongs as, like, a... I mean, they make a joke at one point about, like, straight to video. Like, the, I think that's about the level that this movie's operating at. And most of those straight to video films are awful, and a couple are enjoyable, you know? And, like, right. this one is... Yeah, and I think your your mileage may vary, or whatever the, the little thing that people say these days is on on that. And so, you know, there's movies that I'm sure people love that were direct to video, right? I don't love this movie, but I enjoyed it, you know. I wonder if there's anybody who loves it. It seems to me to be a very unlovable movie. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Oh, there I mean, they probably don't listen to our show though, because I crap on them. I've been crapping on this movie since <laughs> 2017 or whenever we started. <laughs> but they feel so vindicated having been listening the whole time. Well, yeah, they feel vindicated, except that I haven't come around on it. All I said was it's not the worst movie ever made. That <laughs> <laughs> it is better than Home on the Range, which well might be the worst movie ever made. Certainly the worst Disney movie. There's no way not anything coming after this, even the ones I haven't seen, are going to be as bad as Home on the Range. But what's yeah. interesting is Home on the Range is this, like, this to me is a much clearer Shrek response. Ripoff's not the right word, but it's a much clearer, let's make a movie like Shrek, and they so they made Chicken Little. But it's a much better movie than Home on a Range, which just has Shrekish elements. So I don't know what, yeah. what, what there is to say about that, other than that, as annoying as Zach Braff is, he's not as annoying as Roseanne Barr. Well, say, say more about what makes you think it's a direct response to Shrek. 
Well, I mean, it's it's got this. It's a fairy tale. It's a folk tale, I suppose. Not not technically a fairy tale. It's a it's a it's a folk tale that's brought into the world of pop music and postmodern irony, which is you know that's the stock and trade of of Shrek. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You, it, it is. I agree with you though. It's not as cynical as Shrek was. I mean, Shrek is just a, a super cynical movie, and then it has this turn at the end that's supposed to be heartwarming but even when i saw it at 18 or however old i was i it made me want to throw up and i didn't know any better yeah i I, i'm glad to say i never liked the shrek movies i don't know if i don't know if people have turned on them or not but i never liked them this is i i i want to say it's better than shrek um which I, I guess it is. I guess I would go that far. It, it does not annoy me the way Shrek annoys me. Um, and it's certainly better than Home on the Range. Yeah, there's no question it's better than Home on the Range. <laughs> I would say it's better than... Oh, I pulled up the canon earlier so I could see kind of like where I, where I felt. Dinosaur, I think, is the other, the other big whipping boy we've had. Right. Well, yeah, it's definitely better than Dinosaur. Yes, I, would say I suppose I, I think it's better than Dinosaur. I would say I enjoyed it more than Brother Bear. No, I, don't... I like Brother Bear more than this. Yeah. I think you're forgetting little... <laughs> Weren't you super annoyed by the little guy? Or was, or oh, were no, you no, not... I was annoyed by... Brother Bear's not a good movie. I just think it's better than this one. That's Coda, all. Coda, you were annoyed by Coda. I'm sure I was, yeah. <laughs> Almost always, if there's a character whose whose sole purpose is to be cute, I'm going to be annoyed by it. But now, see, you compared it to Sword in the Stone and Aristocats, right? Both are movies which I enjoy, and you didn't. So, I, like that that was kind of where I was feeling. Like the, this, the this thing, is the thing quality. I will say for them that I cannot say for this is that this feels like it's chasing a trend. And those movies, though they are not good, don't feel like that. Yeah. You're right. This is not a trend-setting movie. <laughs> it, is, it, is a, it is a chasing movie. I agree with that. To return to the music, uh, how weird is it there's a Five for Fighting song in this movie? <laughs> you remember Five for Fighting? Which which one's the Five for Fighting song? Oh, it's the Jimmy Webb song. It's a, what's it called? Uh, All I Know. By two thousand two thousand five, it's it it's the one they're they're playing when they're driving home from the from the principal's office. It's the oh, one that okay. leads immediately into the next. <laughs> like there's two montages right in a row, right? And yeah. that's the first one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but by two thousand six or two thousand five, like five for fighting was old news. I'm surprised they didn't recut that. You remember they had that song Superman? It came out right around nine eleven. Oh yeah, I do remember that song. It's like the it sounded like uh, if Coldplay had had too much uh, edge for you, you'd listen to Five for Fighting. All I know is first recorded by Art Garfunkel. It's it yeah, it's a Jimmy Webb song. Jimmy Webb who wrote Wichita Lineman. Yeah. What do you think okay. of the? Uh, closing cast performance of don't go breaking my heart 
Um, well, I would say it was fitting for this movie. It was fitting. You know, you know yeah, Disney go did Don't Go Breaking My Heart on like the Valentine's special that we've, we haven't talked about in a long time, but we talked about way back when where Disney, had, you know, Disney had done these, 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 these movies <clears throat> and they, they had a Valentine's special where they, you know, they, they cut in, you know, the Twitter painted scene from Bambi and, um, what, what's it called? All the cats join in, you know, like, you know, they, they put all those, those little clips together and they had a don't go breaking my heart in there. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember what they set, like what, what film sequence was set to it. Huh. That's funny. So it's not the first time it's appeared in a Disney movie. Hopefully it will be the last though. I mean, no disrespect to that song, but the, the, the appropriated pop song cartoon is a, a noxious early 21st century trend that I was happy to see die out. That was a, yeah, that, that, ugh, that was, yeah, that was very DreamWorks thing to do. I that say it's died out, but they keep making those sing movies. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But having all the characters kind of dance to, you know, computer animated characters seem to dance more than hand-drawn animated characters. Not that we didn't have any dancing. Like, there's the famous dancing in, uh, like, famous, quote-unquote famous, in the uh, in Oliver and Company. Yeah. You know, like, th- there's a dance. Uh, but I, don't, I just feel like every animated movie has, I mean, every computer animated movie, especially early on, had to have characters dancing. It must have been really fun to animate that or something. So negatively, I will say that felt very DreamWorks to have, you know, the characters kind of step out of character almost. Well, not for this movie, not really, because they danced to to, um, Spice Girls earlier. But, you know, like it, it feels a little... So negatively, it feels like DreamWorks is what I'm trying to say. Negatively, it feels like DreamWorks. Positively, it feels like like the end of like a theater production because yeah. like at the end of like uh, a theater production often like they'll have like the the exit music or whatever and characters from the cast will come out and get applauded as they go and you know and they'll dance and stuff and it's fun and i because i enjoyed this movie i viewed it more that way i almost forgot about the dreamworks connection until you brought it up i'm sorry yeah that's all right this would be a way stretch so i'm not prepared to actually make this argument but like that I wonder if there's an argument to be made that this is chasing DreamWorks, but there's almost like, um, like what, what's it? I mean, it's, there's gotta be a good word for this besides redemption, but redemption is what's coming to mind of like when something is kind of negative, but like you turn it and use it positively. So like the negative, like the negative connotation of like the dance sequence but like the the this movie actually takes some of those negative trends and redeems them and makes them makes them good makes them uh, enjoyable can't say i see that i don't know if i see it either <laughs> <laughs> so one thing anyway, we haven't sorry. talked about that we probably do need to talk about is foxy loxy and what happens to her oh yeah 
So Foxy really... Luxy's like a mean Tom girl at the beginning of the movie, and then the aliens brainwash her, and she becomes like a stereotypical Southern belle, and Runt makes her his girlfriend, and it's kind of uncomfortable, speaking of... Um, speaking of Me Too. Yeah, I think... <laughs> it was a different time. Like, you, they would never do that today, obviously. <laughs> it was... Yeah, well, well, yeah, they wouldn't do it today. And so there, there is the different time aspect. I, I kind of read it in the movie as, you know, um, uh, what's her name? Abby, uh, duck gets all Twitter pated when, um, chicken little kisses her. And, um, and when runt sees that, he says, Oh no, they, she's been mind wiped by the aliens. You know what I mean? And so I kind of read it as, um, like a kind of a follow up to that joke. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Foxy Loxy really was mind wiped and it turned out the same way. Like, like Grunt wasn't wrong. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Like he was, he was wrong, but he wasn't wrong. Like that's, that's how I read it. I read it as like a follow up to that joke. Right. Yeah, and I don't know that in 2005, which wasn't that long ago, right? Uh, but it was in the sense of what you're talking about. Right, like, as right. far as, like, what is acceptable in our culture, like, I mean, that's the whole, we, we don't need to get the, get too political on this podcast for sure, but, like, there's a reason why right-wing extremism is, like, on the rise. And it's, it, like, things have changed extremely rapidly. Right, You know? Right. And so, like, for a like for a conservative backlash against the very, very fast progressive change, like, that the it makes sense from, like, a step back, two steps, and you can see it. But, I mean, sort of. the, 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 the space between... When did Frozen come out? Frozen, this movie, where... You haven't seen it, right? I have not seen Frozen okay, 2. Okay, then I won't. No. I won't. You've seen the first one or you haven't? I have seen the first one. Okay, yeah. so yeah, anybody who hasn't seen it, fast forward 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. But the big twist in Frozen, right, is that love's first kiss doesn't have to be romantic. It can be between these two sisters. Um, mm-hmm. And Chicken Little, which has in some ways a very anti-feminist message, especially in what's happened to Foxy Loxy. That's eight eight years between Chicken Little and Frozen. I mean, it's not that long. That's the distance between us and Frozen. It's just, it is it's just funny how quickly that changed. How because that I mean they would never ever ever do that. And I can't say I'm sad they wouldn't anymore because it's it's kind of a nasty little plot twist, you know. Yeah. I mean, in a funnier movie, maybe I would think it was funny, but um, I as it stands, it just seems unnecessarily cruel. Yeah. What's the difference between? Let me see if I can pull it up. Um, lady, like Lady and the Tramp, and Oliver and Company. Lady and the Tramp is fifty-five. 55. Oliver and Company is eighty-eight. 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 Oh, so it's more like thirty years. Because I remember we talked about this same thing, uh, not not this same thing, but a similar thing, where in Lady and the Tramp, Tramp becomes. Civilized, right? By by marrying Lady, and in Oliver and Company, at the end, uh, Billy Joel's character just you know continues to be a tramp, you know. But um, this isn't about Foxy Loxy changing to please a man, which I, I would have less of less of a problem with. This is about her being 
brainwashed into being a totally different sort of person and then run to the litter takes advantage of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of like, because we see at one point, we see Foxy Loxy's mom. So like, what, how's Foxy Loxy's mom feel about this change? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Oh, yeah. It's, ugh. They, they just weren't thinking it's, about it, I'm sure, because at that time, which again, only 16 years ago, at that time, people didn't really think as much about that stuff. But yeah, if they made that today, gosh, it would be a, a real disaster. And if this were a popular movie that people liked, um, probably it would have been canceled by now, but there's not really a need to cancel it because it doesn't have a huge <laughs> fan base. <laughs> it won't be long until Disney Plus has a, has a warning before you watch the movie. Yeah, well, there's, there there's should be a warning before you watch this movie, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> need to be about that. Are you sure? It should come up when you when you when you hit play on Chicken Little. Are you sure you want to watch it? You know, we have Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> the the studio has more or less completely disavowed this movie, right? I I wasn't surprised that it was on Disney Plus, but if you told me that they didn't have it on Disney Plus, I wouldn't have been surprised because you never hear them say anything about it. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I was reading that when um, Zootopia came out, they were comparing the studio, went out of their way to compare Zootopia to uh, Robin Hood, another movie where there are no human characters, mm -hmm. and just completely ignored Chicken Little, which was only a decade before Zootopia, and which was like <laughs> it, you know, set in a modern world and computer animated. So you'd think oh, it would yeah. have much more in common with that. Oh, it does. It definitely does. Like, as I watched this, I was like, oh, this is kind of a precursor to Zootopia. Except Zootopia is about a hundred times the movie this is. Of course, yeah. I don't, I'm not disagreeing with that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, the, like, I was, I, I'd never seen this before. So when we were watching, when I watched it, you know, that, that came into my mind. I was like, oh, I can see where Zootopia came from. Yeah, yeah. In a way that, like, when I watch Zootopia, I don't think oh, this is so similar to Robin Hood. Right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so, yeah. It's certainly closer to Robin Hood in quality, but not in, uh, yeah. not in like, yeah. The, the whole vibe of this movie does have more in common with Zootopia than with Robin Hood. Yeah. Okay, so early in the podcast, you said a couple things, and I think we've hit, most of them. So you, you mentioned um, there's a funny background moment, which we talked about the, the stork or whatever it is walking into the pain. And then uh, there, there was something else that, that you already mentioned that I've, I've now I'm, I'm blanking on. I it, said, the, I said that, that the other, the other, the part that I thought came close to working emotionally was the part between when they're coming home from the principal's office and when he wins. The oh, right. Game. Yeah. 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 Okay. So did we hit all your points or was there one more in there? No, those were the those were the two things I thought. Uh, okay. <laughs> that I thought, okay, this movie's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, <laughs> I will say that Zach Braff was fine. Um, I, I don't like him. I don't know that I would have even known it was him. He doesn't do the Zach Braff thing, for the most part. Um, Gary Marshall, I'm not sure is the person I would have picked to play the father. I'm not sure he could really carry it. Um, but then again, I'm, I'm not sure the movie really gave him much to carry. So I, I don't know. There, there's almost nothing to say about the voice performances because the writing keeps anybody from being too good or too bad. Yeah. 
I felt like Buck Ace Cluck was supposed to be modeled after somebody. Like, he almost looked like a caricature of somebody, but I couldn't quite place it. Gary Marshall. Is that who it was? Yeah, he looks like the voice actor. He has the he has the same eyebrows as his voice actor. Okay. I guess I'm not that very familiar with Gary Marshall. You know, m- mostly known as a director, but I guess he I guess he acted at least sometimes. Well, we're on the upswing now. We are. I I, I uh, we're going to be talking about Meet the Robinsons next month which is a, a very strange little movie that i uh, like quite a bit it's not i think one of the top 10 but I, I think it's a it's a strange little movie that's good just the way emperor's new groove and lilo and stitch were strange little movies that were good mm-hmm. yep totally agree with that and then we we roll into the lassiter era with uh bolt Bolt. Or as I yeah. think of it, Tropic Thunder for kids. And then shockingly, after Bolt, we're back to hand-drawn animation for one movie for with one the Princess movie. of the Frog. Winnie the Pooh is also hand-drawn, right? Yeah, but I haven't, I haven't seen that one. I haven't either. But we will. We will see it within the next year. Well, And at that point, before Winnie the Pooh, we're going to have to figure out, we're going to have finished a decade, so we're going to have to figure out what our uh, 2000s uh, movie is. Yeah, we will. We'll have or, to you know, any suggestions people have. Maybe we should watch a live action movie. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I feel like we, uh, we might have bounced around ideas in the past for it. I can't remember. We'll, we can talk. We can talk. We can talk off. We can talk off air about that. All right. Well, I have nothing else to say about this movie. I don't either. <laughs> I don't I'm glad think. to be done with it. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, our press liaison is Kristen Pilipic, and we're on the old interwebs at beforetheywere.live, uh, which is has a lot of cobwebs on it right now. <laughs> When's the last time you updated page. that? What's the, what's the oh, movie my on goodness. the front page? Uh, Aladdin, maybe? I don't even know. I keep, I keep thinking I'm going to get back to this and then not getting back to it. One of these days. It'll happen. What happens is I – yeah, it is Aladdin. With special special guest Tim Rhodes, it will happen eventually. That that with that will get up, updated someday. Um, I need an intern. That's what I need. <laughs> so. I, can't, I can't help you there. <laughs> Not anymore. Okay. Anyway, um, the oh, the website that does get updated is ChristianHumanist.org, and please help us continue this conversation by reaching out to us at before they were live at gmail.com, which I do check. And we also want to encourage you to set your podcast player's dials to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, where you'll find an abundance of new and old shows to keep you going. Michael and I know there are a great number of podcasts out there you could be spending your time on, so thank you for spending the time with us. So for Michael Farmer, I'm Joshua Altman-Chauffer. By the way, I'd like to say I've always found you extremely attractive. <laughs>